0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. you, Lord. So that's going to be the theme of this message. And uh, actually, Minerva already gave the introduction. Uh, We're talking about intimacy today, so uh, we're one in the Spirit, which is pretty cool. Um, I was at a meeting one time, and... The guy that was uh, speaking was an author of a book called The Highest Life. Uh, His name is Gene Edwards. And it was up in Charlottesville, and I was at this meeting. And we were all sitting at tables, and he was kind of walking around. And he asked a question. He said, what's the most important thing you can do in the Christian life? Right? What's the most important thing you can do? So he was expecting a response so people would raise their hands and somebody said pray. And somebody said uh, obedience. Um, People were saying different things, right? And so I knew the answer, okay? I knew the answer. Now, I think I said said praise and worship. I'm, I'm pretty sure I said something like that. So I'm like, praise and worship. He kind of walks over to me. He looks at me. He puts his hand on my shoulder and says, No. (laughs) Now, I needed to be humbled, so that was good. But (laughs) he got my attention. He got everybody's attention, right? Because he's shooting down obeying God. He's shooting down prayer. He's shooting down praise and word. I mean, what's left, right? (laughs) Well, what he said I hadn't ever considered before. He said, the most important thing you can do to live the Christian life is to have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And I'm like, huh? You know, What does that really mean? To have fellowship with the Father and the Son. So his whole book was about... He imagined... And the Scripture doesn't really give us much information. But if Jesus and the Father were having a relationship with each other... How would it go down? How, did, how does Jesus. And we do, I mean, Jesus obeyed his Father, right? He did the will of his Father. So we, we know that. And we know that's, that's an expression of his love for his Father. But, but he, was, he really wanted to get into what's really going on in the Godhead between the Holy Spirit, between Jesus, and between the Father. You know, how do they, behave, how do they act towards each other? How do they love each other? How do they give love? How do they receive love? you know how is how is god's radiance and glory shared within the trinity and that's like we really can't quite comprehend that can we but he really wanted to get into that and then his his whole premise was you know we need to share whatever is being shared in the godhead we need to share in it too that's what he wanted to do so that was his passion to have fellowship with the father and the son so we're going to be talking about that today. Let's take a look at a Scripture, 1 John 1.3. John is speaking. He says, That which we have seen and heard, he's talking about Jesus, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. So you know, I think Brother Gene got, got what he said from 1 John 1.3. And John is saying here, it's like, hey, we've seen the Messiah. We have eternal life. We want you to see the Messiah and share in eternal life just as we do. Because the word fellowship means to share, to partner with. So John wanted everybody to partner and share in this beautiful thing he discovered, his relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's pretty cool. So we're going to be talking about intimacy with God today. How can, you, how can we draw closer to God? That's, that's really where I'm going with all this today. So let's look at some Scriptures. Uh, I don't think the next one's up there, but you guys remember in John 17 when John was praying to his father, uh, he said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Okay, so here we go. I'm the math person this is eternal life, equal sign, knowing Jesus. Right? That's exactly what that Scripture says. This is eternal life, knowing Jesus. Now, are we talking about like intellectual assent? Not really. That word for knowing is really uh, something that only God can open our eyes to understand. I mean, it, you guys know there's a peace that passes understanding, right? Would you agree that there is a knowing that passes understanding? And I'm going to read you, the scripture says exactly that in a minute. I'm going to read that to you. But you know, this is eternal what is eternal life? It, it is so critical to know Jesus Christ. And the only way we can know Christ is if His holy Spirit living in us, right? Takes the elevator up into our minds, the doors open, the Holy Spirit sticks something in our minds, speaks to us, right? The door's closed, maybe it goes back down. And it's like, oh, I never thought about that. Or, oh, is that how it works? Or, Lord, that's awesome. Yeah, see what I'm saying? I'm talking about God speaking to us. He speaks to us, doesn't he? Okay. All right. So we want to isn't our hearts cry to know Christ? I mean, what was all our worship about today? It was focused on one person. And His name is Jesus. Okay, let's take a look. I want to whet your appetite in my introduction to knowing Christ. So let's take a look at Philippians 3, 7-11. Alright, the Apostle Paul says, but what things were gained to me, he's, if you read the previous paragraphs, he was talking about he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to obeying the law, he was blameless. You know, he was circumcised. He was this. He, his whole pedigree. You know, all his credentials. He said, it's nothing. He said, what, all those things that were gained to me at one time in my life, I count them as loss. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge. Okay, there's the knowledge. Of Christ Jesus. So, Paul's setting up this comparison on the one side. Everything he had done, humanly speaking, to be somebody. Compared with gaining knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's saying it's no comparison. It's night and day. And he goes on to say, I've suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. This guy had a singular focus to gain Christ. It doesn't matter what was going on around him. That's all he wanted. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him. There's the know word again, right? And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. There's the fellowship word. Being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what is what is Paul's heart cry? Everything that I've, all, that I've done for my own sufficiency to be somebody—it's—it's it's worthless. It's useless compared to knowing Christ. So ask yourself, what floats your boat? Right? Say, well, does making money float your boat? Does being significant, being the manager at work, you know, being the top student in your school, does that float your boat? What what really floats your boat? Is—is is it the 57 Chevy that you're driving, or? I don't even know what a fifty-seven 7 looks like, but I, um, you know, we nothing wrong with those activities. But I'm just saying, is that really what you're into, or are you real? Can you do those things, but you're really into Christ? You see what I'm saying? Okay. Let's look at some more here. Ephesians three fourteen. Again, Paul. You know, Paul's the example. Honestly, um, he's the example to me. In Ephesians three fourteen. He says this, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Okay, here's His prayer for the church. So here's how I pray this over you guys. I pray this over myself. I pray this over my my wife. I pray this prayer over people. This is a good prayer to pray over people. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know to know what the love right to know the love of Christ which what passes knowledge okay so i told you love comes it bypasses the intellect now that doesn't mean we can't use our intellect to chase it down but the whole point is love the revelation of how much god loves you comes from the holy spirit right which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of god don't you want to be filled with the fullness of god but it says the fullness it's the knowledge right the knowledge of jesus christ the knowledge of full fullness of god so like do you see his heart here what does this guy really want in life does he want to run I mean, does he want to run... I mean, what, is it, what does this guy really want to do? He just wants Christ. He wants to honor Christ. He wants to know Christ. He wants to love Christ. He wants to obey Christ. Everything is Jesus. I'm going to say Jesus today about 150 times. <laughs> right? It needs to sink into our, our souls, right? Okay. So, how do you get this intimacy with Jesus Christ? That's really what I, I want to talk about. Four things. Number one, you have to deal with the darkness of your sin. Number two, in desperation, you have to choose Christ. Number three, you have to desire to be with Christ. And number four, you have to draw near to God. Got it? Alright, so I'm going to go over each one of these. First, you have to deal with the darkness of your sin. You don't have intimacy if you're in sin with Christ. Now first, let's consider the case. Let's say there's somebody that doesn't that's not a Christian in here. You may think you're a Christian because you go to church. Does going to church make you a Christian? You remember Pastor Willie's testimony? He came to church. He thought he was all right. He was on his way to burning in a lake of fire, wasn't he? You guys realize that. You can come to church and die and burn in a lake of fire. Okay We don't want that, do we? Okay? <laughs> so if you're in here, if you think that you're okay, Just by coming to church, I just don't want you to be deceived. You're not. Because your sin, you can't have that fellowship with God. You can't know Christ if you have sin. It's a stain. Now I have a a slide. Do we have the slide? Okay, that's what your stain looks like. Isaiah said, though your sin be as scarlet. Remember Isaiah saying that? That's what your sin looks like to God. It's nasty. And you can't have fellowship with God. You can't know Christ. And you can't have eternal life. You can't go to heaven. You can't pass go. You can't collect $200. You got it? All right. So we need to take care of the stain, don't we? How do we take care of the stain? How do we get rid of the stain? Well, the first thing you have to realize you're a sinner. If I just tell you I'll fall short of the glory of God, you're like, so what? If I tell you you're a sinner, you're like, I don't think I am. I go to church. I try to do what's good. I don't see that. I'm not really helping you if I just tell you you're a sinner. I haven't really told you anything. It just sounds more like I'm condemning you, right? But what if I asked you a question? What if I said, have you ever told a lie? Like, yeah. What's that make you? A liar. Oh. Have you ever looked at a man or a woman to lust? Yeah. Well, Jesus said you've committed adultery in your heart. Oh. Oh. Have you ever been angry? You have anger issues? Yeah? Well, Jesus said you've committed murder in your heart. Oh. <laughs> I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Yeah? Well, you've broken... I mean, I've just gone through four things. You've just broken four commandments. So now when you die and you stand before God and He asks you, what would you do with, with my commands? You're like, um, 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 I went to church. Um, um, uh, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> See, if I, if, I ask you if, you've, if I ask you about your sin, now the Holy Spirit can show you this is what God wants. You've broken God's commandment. You're in deep trouble because you look like that red stain. But the good news is you can get rid of that stain, right? So how do we get rid of the stain? Well, I'm going to read a, I'm going to read a story of a woman and I want you to see how she got rid of the stain. This is in Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 37. Uh, The background is Jesus was invited to eat with a Pharisee, right? The religious person. So verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. She was a known sinner probably. She's probably a prostitute. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair on her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil." That's a little odd, isn't it? Like, I can't even do that because my hair's not long enough. But, <laughs> you know, that's just weird thinking about that. Um, so. And, of course, the Pharisee's like, if this guy were a prophet, he would know this woman's a sinner who's touching him, and he's being defiled, so he's clearly not a man of God, right? And so Jesus kind of gives the interpretation here at the end. I don't think this is up there. But in verse 45, Jesus tells uh, this Pharisee, he says, you haven't kissed me, but this woman has not ceased to kiss me. Like the Pharisee never gave him the greeting, the customary greeting that you would just honor the average person with. Um, But she has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she has loved much. Then He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Okay, wait a minute. What just happened here? The woman crashes the party. She wasn't invited, right? Would the Pharisee have invited the prostitute to come to lunch? No. No. Okay, so number one, the woman crashes the party. Number two, she just brazenly gets at his feet, starts doing weird things like crying and wiping his feet with her hair. I mean, and then, you know, causing a scene, right? Isn't that causing a scene? But what's really going on? She was eaten up by her sin. See, she knew she was a sinner. She had been convicted of her sin and she had the guilt and the shame and it was tearing her up. So how do you get rid of the guilt and the shame? There's only one way to do it and that's to get it forgiven by Christ, right? And she saw Jesus going around and she knew Jesus' teaching and she knew what other people told her about Jesus. So she knew if she could just come to Jesus and confess that He would forgive her yeah. sins. So I guarantee, I can almost guarantee, as she is wiping His hair with her feet and crying, in her mind, she's saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I can almost guarantee that's what she's saying. Because what does Jesus say? Woman, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that awesome? So if you're sitting here you've never received Christ, you've never had your sins forgiven, you have to be like this woman You don't care what people think of you. You don't. You're going to Christ no matter what it takes. You're going to ask Him for forgiveness of sins. And guess what He's going to do? Forgive your sins. And so instead of looking like this, I think we have another slide. Uh, Isaiah said, Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. So there's a snow fox. So you're clean. Isn't that great? (laughs) That's great. All right, so, but what if you're a believer already? Most of us, if not all of us, are believers already, right? Do we still sin as believers? Does that stop the flow of fellowship? It can, right? Because we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can grieve God's heart. So, if you're a believer, uh, what do we do? Well, you do the same thing that this woman did. You do the same thing anybody does when they sin. You go to Christ and seek forgiveness. But an example of that is David in Psalm 51. David, um, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then had, had her husband killed. I mean, the man after God's own heart, right? So Nathan comes to David and said, "You've sinned. You, you killed. you killed her husband, and you committed adultery with her. David was convicted of his sin, so what did he do? Did he make an excuse? "I'm king, I can do what I want." I mean, everyone has multiple wives in our culture. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Abraham had another wife and God didn't rebuke Abraham. I mean, come on, Nathan. I can take wives. He could have said that, right? Very easily because that's what they practice in their culture. Um, Here's what he said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to Your loving kindness, according to the multitude of Your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, Make me look like the little snow fox up there. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against You and You only have I sinned and done this evil in Your sight. So David didn't make an excuse. He said, I was evil. I've sinned against You, God. Have mercy on me. All right. So as Christians... If we sin, right? You got angry with your children this morning. You sin. You agree. Anger against your children is sin. Yes or no? I'm not talking about righteous indignation, which most of us don't don't do anyway. (laughs) I mean, you just lost it. You argued with your wife this morning. You argued with your husband this morning. You lost it with somebody at a cashier the other day because you were impatient. You honked the horn at somebody in frustration and irritation. Is that godly? No, it's sin. Let's call it for what it is and say, God, I was impatient. It's wrong. Would You please forgive me? Period. I mean, right? And then what happens? We're cleansed from all unrighteousness. Isn't that great? That's the whole point of Christ going to the cross was so that he could pay for our sins, so I wouldn't have to pay for my sins. I don't want to pay for my sins I can't pay for my sins okay, so um, you know I want to talk about intimacy, we need to get rid of the sin thing, but I think this is this is one thing as i as I grow older th- this is going to sound a little weird, but I almost see myself more and more wretched as I get older. Or maybe I see it this way. Even though my mind is being renewed. I'm not saying my mind's not being renewed. But maybe I just see the gravity of sin more and more. Um, but I want to read you a quote from a brother who wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. His name's Brother Lawrence. This guy made it a habit of being in God's presence, Right? So this this, this man wanted intimacy with Christ. You can read his book if you want. But this is what he said about himself. He said, I regard myself as the most wretched of all men, stinking and covered with sores. This is a believer saying this kind of thing. And as one who has committed all sorts of crimes against his king, overcome by remorse, I confess all my wickedness to him ask his pardon and abandon myself entirely to him with as he will. But this king, filled with goodness and mercy, far from chastising me, lovingly embraces me and makes me eat at his table. He serves me with his own hands. He gives me the keys of his treasures and he treats me as his favorite. He talks with me and is delighted with me in a thousand and one ways. He forgives me and relieves me of my principal bad habits without talking about them. I beg Him to make me according to His heart. And always the more weak and despicable I see myself to be, the more beloved I am of God. It's kind of like you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds, the more. You know, it's like this guy, he just... See, you have to realize this flesh is not going to be renewed on earth. What I mean is, my physical body is not going to be renewed on earth. I'm going to get a new body in the twinkling of an eye, right? But it ain't right here. What is being renewed, though, is my mind. (laughs) And thank God for my mind. But my mind is still messed up. When you get saved, you're a shipwreck that's been forgiven. And 20 years later, you're still a shipwreck that's grown to be more like Christ to some degree. But you're still wrecked. You're not there. Paul said, hey, I haven't haven't attained. I haven't arrived. Um, I mean, because we still sin, right? All right, so we uh, we, we need to realize who we are. We need to get our sin taken care of. Now we open the big doors to intimacy with Christ. You ready? Okay, so number one, deal with the darkness of your sin. Don't make excuses. Number two, in desperation, choose Christ. Deep in your heart, there needs to be a desperation. Not a proud arrogance of I'm okay, I don't need anything. Instead, it's I am nothing. I can do nothing apart from Christ. And if Christ doesn't help me, I'm sunk. Okay, do you see the difference in attitude? So which one is your, I am encourage you to, go, to the, go the humble way, not the arrogant way. All right, desperation, um, what I'm talking about is in duress, under duress. What do we do? If you're sick, what do we do? If you're going through a bad situation, what do we do? Okay, that's what this specific category is. We have a lot of sick people in our congregation that are battling. Um, you know, Zeta has, has really been battling uh, just physical problems. Um, Nancy has been in a nursing home battling physical problems, right? You know, Pastor has been battling. Uh, Myron's been battling. I've been battling fatigue and headaches for six years now. Uh, you know, we're going through things, right? You know, people get this, you just had the stomach virus, Sam. So we – we get sick. We live in a fallen world. We're going to get sick. It's going to happen. Right? So, but how do you handle that? So when you're under duress, you can go two ways. You can say, I hate this. I can't stand this. This is always happening to me. It's never going to change. And you grow bitter and complaining. Right? Or, on the other side, I hate this. I don't want this to happen to me, but God, I turn to you to help me. Lord, that you would comfort me. Lord, you're my healer. Lord, I need you. God, and even in the midst of this, I can still know you, and I can still have your joy and your peace. Right. So one way is not a good way. <laughs> you're going to be a bitter, miserable. You will become a wretch. You really will be if you go the bitter way. Um, But the other way is the way of intimacy, right? Because you can still have an intimate relationship with Christ in duress. Because what is intimacy? Is it some joyful feeling only? Intimacy is choosing to acknowledge God as the center of your life regardless of the circumstance. Intimacy is choosing to the relationship with Christ, getting to know Him, and the fellowship, of, as Paul said, the fellowship of His sufferings. So, if we're going to fellowship in His sufferings, why not use it for good, right? Why not, why not get to know Christ better? If, if Christ set the example of suffering by going to the cross, and would you agree that He had perfect communion with His Father? That's our example. So even though I don't like suffering, And even though if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way, but the good thing is I'm not God, (laughs) and He is. So that's the way God wanted the plan to work. We share in His sufferings. He came up with it. Or you could say He redeemed us from the fall. However you want to look at it, That's, that's the way it is. And so let's make the best of being under duress. It's not just physical... It could be failure at school. You may have failed a test. Yeah, you, know you feel terrible when you feel fail something, and you want to beat yourself up. It could be marriage issues. It could be dating problems. It could be all these little problems that we have. So you can either go, "This is never going to work. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of this happening. I'm just going to quit and give up." Or you can go, "God, this is hard. I don't like this at all." but You're going to give me the grace to persevere through this situation, Lord. Help me to study better. Help me to humble myself with my wife, with my children. God, just help me. You see, you see we're, we have two choices. There's a switch inside of you. you gotta slip, you got to flip the switch to turn to intimacy. Right? Okay. Alright, so choosing desperation with Christ. Um, in desperation, choosing Christ. And I, I want to share a, a testimony with you, um, Corey and Betsy Ten Boom. Um, you guys probably know that they hid Jews um, from the Nazis during World War II. And they ended up in uh, the uh, prison camp at Ravensbrück. And we have an image there of the actual uh, barracks. I don't know if that's actually where, where they were. But just to give you a little picture None of us can comprehend what it was like to be there. The smell was, they said the smell was horrible. I mean, I think they threw straw in there, rotten, rotten straw and stuff, and, and just the body odor. And I don't even know if, if I mean, if they had to go to the bathroom, in there, that would be just horrible. And they, you packed them in as sardines. So that's horrible. So anyway, Betsy and Corey are in, in there, in this barracks. And um, And Corey was trying to sleep, I guess, and, and she got bitten, and she, it startled her. she jerked up and she hit her head on the bunk. And, uh, and Betsy said, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And, and she looked, and all of a sudden she saw these fleas just biting her, just fleas. So now, on top of all the stench, on top of all the, the, the horrendous living conditions, not only that, the guards would come in. The guards would scream at them because the, the, the whole thing is they wanted to debase them, dehumanize them. So they were trying to break them down as much as they could. I mean, Satan was just going, going crazy. So the guards would scream and shout at them and, and curse at them. And, and so now to add insult to injury, you got these, this massive flea infestation Inside the barracks. Are you kidding me? You know these things are just biting you. You can't sleep anyway. You're jam packed, and so all of a sudden Betsy Betsy's saying, "Show me, show me, show me," and Corey's like, "She's praying. How can she pray?" And she said, "What are you doing?" And Betsy's like, "Show me, God. Show me. What's the point of these fleas?" And then she said, "I know." we need to give thanks for the fleas. And Corey's like, I am not, gi- I can't give thanks for the fleas. I can't do that. There's no way I'm giving thanks for the fleas. And Betsy's like, we need to give thanks for the fleas. <laughs> so, so Betsy starts praying, God, thank You for the fleas. God, thank You for the stench. God, now, I don't even know that it's biblical to thank God for the fleas. Because the Scripture says to give thanks in all things. So it's not like... You know, I don't give thanks if if somebody's murdered, right? But I give thanks for God's sovereignty in a situation. You see what I'm saying? But Betsy, Betsy was, Betsy was just far above the rest. I mean, Betsy was with her faith; she was just incredible. So she's giving thanks for the literal fleas, right? So some time had passed, and and one day Corey walks back into the barracks. Betsy was Betsy was in there. Betsy has this big smile on her face. She says, Corey, Corey, he showed me, he showed me. And Corey's like, What did he show you? And she's like, The guards aren't coming in here. And Corey's like, Okay, the guards aren't coming in here. And see, what we don't I didn't share with you is that they were able to smuggle a Bible into the barracks. And they were Sharing the gospel with all these miserable, beat down Jews, right? And the guards didn't come in to stop it. Why? Because the fleas. And Betsy was like, I told you we can thank God for the fleas. (laughs) I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. No way. No way. So, but could you have gotten really filled with despair in that situation? And just shut down and just say, God, take me. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't have made it except for the grace of God, you know. So, number two, in desperation, choose Jesus. Okay, number three, desire to be with Christ. Okay, so the last category was, you're under duress, right? This category, everything's going well. I mean, your car's actually running. There's nothing wrong with your house. Your kids are behaving. You're healthy. Nobody's sick. Everything's going well, right? What do you do? You choose to be with Christ anyway, right? Because we we think of turning to God in difficult situations, and rightly so. But when everything's good, we don't want to ignore God. In fact, you want to press in even more to God when everything's going well. Because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I realize that everything is going well right now, but I just want to let you know that I give you credit for that. I give you glory for that. I give you honor for that. And God, I'm just as needy, if not more needy, right this second. So Lord, I want to be with you. I just want to enjoy You. I'm just going to sit at Your feet. Isn't that great? Don't you want that? Whom do I have in heaven but You? Psalm 73.23 There's none that I desire on earth besides You. That's what you say to God. God, I mean, there's no one but You. It's the title of my message. God, there's no one but You. Whom do I have in heaven but You? There's no one. In other words, it's my new car. Who's better? Fellowship with Christ or floating my boat with my new car? What's better? (laughs) I mean, you see what I'm saying? Who is, you know, in the Song of Songs, the Beloved is talking to His bride, His maiden, right? His bride. And the Beloved says, turn your gaze from Me, for your beauty overwhelms Me. Okay, and that's, God designed a man and a woman to have that level of intensity of love and attraction, right? How much more Christ and His bride? So if a man can say to a woman, "Turn, don't even look at me. It's too much. I can't even look at you. You're too beautiful. If a man could say that about a woman, what does Christ say about us when He looks at us? And see, we can't even imagine that because we know we're imperfect. And we don't think God really loves us that much. But see, God, doesn't, God sees our sin forgiven. God doesn't see the red stain anymore, guys. It's not red. You say, well, I sinned this morning. It's already wiped out. All He sees is white. So when you sin, what did Brother Lawrence say? Even when he's wicked and vile and sinning against God, What does He get back in return? Kindness, compassion, love, encouragement. Who does that? We don't do that to each other, do we? If I treat my wife the wrong way, she's going to have a tendency to want to treat me back the wrong way, right? That's how we do it. And we think that's how it's supposed to be between us and God. God doesn't do us that way. He can't. It's an impossibility. Because in His nature, if we're forgiven, the only thing He can do is pour love. So when you're sitting there all beat up and wounded from your sin, and you just want to die, that's when God is just going to pour His love and grace on you. When you're at your foulest and vilest, when you stink and smell, God doesn't see that. All He does is say, I love you. Come here. Let me give you a big hug. But I did this. Give me you. And then he hugs you even more. But I did this. And he, now he's squeezing you. But I did this. I mean, you hear what I'm saying? You, that's, isn't that what we want? Now you say, well, I mean, I feel so guilty. And then I, I'm so hard on myself. And, and then these thoughts come to me that um, God doesn't love me. And well, where does that come from? Is that from God? That's from your flesh beating yourself up. You're wrong. Or that's from Satan trying to beat you up, right? But all you have to do is say, wait a minute. Get away from me, Satan. Get those thoughts out of my mind. I'm not receiving those thoughts. God, You love me. You forgave me. Just think of this white... I want you to have this white snow fox in your image when you leave here. So the next time you beat yourself up and think that God's not going to love you anymore, I want you to picture the little white snow fox in the white snow, because there's no stain there anymore. So who is this God that pursues us at our worst? There's no one but you, right? Who corrects and chastens us without the anger? You guys realize I've shared this with you before, but I just, you need to get it. I'm going to share this until the day Christ takes me home. When you sin against God, there's no anger and wrath. Okay? It's an impossibility for God to vent His anger and wrath at you. Because when He died on the cross, all the anger and wrath for your and my sin was put on Christ. He can't get angry with you. It's an impossibility. So don't even go there. Let's just say, thank You, Lord, that You took the anger that was due me. I... I just, as Paul said, I just bow down, right? I mean, when you really realize these things, what's your response? You fall down. You just bow down, whether you do it mentally or whether you physically bow down. I mean, there were times when I was out taking a walk, and I was, I just these things. I realized them so much how God loved me, and I just, I just got on my face. I put my face in the red clay in Virginia, as an acknowledgement that that's who I was next to God. Is I was as good as dirt, but with such an acknowledgement of His awesome wonder and glory, you just have to. Sometimes you just have to get on your face before God, because that's how awesome and wonderful He is. Do I hear an amen? (laughs) Okay, so one number one, you have to deal with the darkness of your sin, bad bad sin. Number two, because that keeps you from fellowship. Uh, Number two, in desperation, in desperate straits, choose Christ. Don't go the bitter route. Number three, desire to be with Christ when everything's going good. Number four, draw near to God. Okay, So how do we draw near to God? Um, First, we have to realize that we have access with God. I can come to God anytime, anywhere, any place, any state of mind. Would you agree? Because when Christ was on the cross and had died, what happened to that veil and the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the outer court? It was torn in half, right? So that was symbolic of the access we have to God. So the author of Hebrews is telling his people, it's like, hey guys, therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace That we might receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. So, no matter where you are, no matter what state of mind, it doesn't matter. You can't. One thing, you can be put in prison. You can lose your health. You can be tortured. You can be kicked out of your apartment. You can't. But nobody can ever take away what you think about God. They just can't do it no matter what situation you're in, no matter where you're at, you can always mentally say, Jesus, help. Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I love you. Is that true? It is true. So drawing near to God is simply making a choice to focus on Christ. Right? Whether whether you just want to Have his love and be hugged. Whether you want to cry on his shoulder, whether you need healing, whether you just want to fall down and honor him, because you're going to spend all of eternity on your face anyway. (laughs) You know, let's just do it, right? Um, Another way that we can draw near to God is to pray the scripture. So, um, I don't know. Let me just read a scripture. I got my Bible open. Uh, Let me just see here. Just pick a Scripture in the Psalms. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So, let's just say you're reading the Bible, right? How do you draw near to God reading the Bible? Wait on the Lord. Wow, God, you know what? I have been so impatient lately. And Lord, I really haven't sought You like I should on this decision. Lord, I think I made the wrong decision because I got impatient. I didn't wait on You. Lord, please help me. Help me to to wait on you for these things. Help me to come to you, and um, Lord, thank you that I can be of good courage. Lord, you're the one that would strengthen my heart. So, so God, as I wait next time, just just give me strength in my inner man with might through your Holy Spirit, so I don't make this decision again. And Lord, look, you you promise to strengthen my heart, and so God, I I just acknowledge you're the God who strengthens my heart. Do you see what I'm doing? Uh, who am I talking to? God. I'm using God's words to talk to God. Right? Like when your children talk to you, how do they learn the words? Because you've taught them the words. So how do I know how to talk to God? Here are His words to talk to God. Right? So if you want to talk to God, it's really wonderful to use what He's already shared with us. And you just read the Bible. You know, you could call it reading the Bible devotionally. Um, but it's a great way to, to read the Scriptures. It's a great way to draw near to God. Uh, I already talked about giving thanks and being grateful, right? You, you're not drawing near to God if you're, if, you're not, if you're always angry, irritable, complaining. That's just not happening. Another way to draw near to God is acknowledge His sovereignty in our lives. We don't like situations and circumstances sometimes because they hurt us. But the way you draw near to God is to say, God, You're in control. Period. No matter what's going on, I'm following You. This is a hard, this is a hard thing to say. If I'm following God with everything in me, right? I sin, but I confess it and I, I repent. And then I sin again, but I confess and I repent. And I'm doing everything I know to follow God. If my house burns down, That came directly through God. That's hard. That's really hard. You say, I don't believe it. Well, you need to read Job again. Because God gave him a stamp of approval in chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, and 4, whatever it is. God had to do this. God had to say up front, hey, this guy is righteous and blameless in my sight. So whatever's going to happen, the rest of that story had to come through God's hand. That's hard. But see, if you're following the Lord, Paul was following the Lord and what happened to him? He got stoned. Didn't he get stoned? Weren't there some in the Old Testament that got cut in half? Okay, so this is pretty gory, but you know, if I if I lay down here and picture taking a saw and just cutting cutting through my stomach, right? Just just letting it roll, letting it rip. But these people were following God, right? And bad things happened to them, didn't it? But you say, well, that's the enemy. We need to rebuke it. That wasn't the enemy. That was God taking someone home in martyrdom, right? So it's you have to be careful, but you, you have to consider God's sovereignty when you're drawing near to God. Okay? Let God be God for your life. And be very careful how you make judgments on what's God, what's not God. You really have to stick to the Scripture on it, because um, it, it can it can be a little tricky sometimes. All right, so I've given you four factors to consider in having intimacy with Christ. Okay, so I hope that has helped you. Uh, hope you'll leave here and actually put these things into practice. Right, be. Be doers of the word that I'm sharing with you this morning. <clears throat> Not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but you shouldn't have to feel guilty anyway, right? <laughs> okay. Um, what I want to do is close this with a song. And uh, this song, it's a precious song. And as you're singing this, really focus on wanting to know Christ. And the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing and suffering—just really focus on Christ as you're singing this song. He is the object of our adoration. He is the object of our praise. He's the object of everything. And this song, to me, is—it's uh, called "No One But You," which is the title of my message. That's why I did it. Because who—who who else? What else is there, guys? I mean, what else is there? We're only here a few short years. What are you going to do? You know, serve God and get close to Him or just do your own little earthly thing for a few more years. You might as well just go in, hook, line, and sinker. So let's have everyone stand up and let's let's praise the Lord here. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.